0: Hi, I'm Ben Pilgrim, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the Bay, or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what He's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey.
1: Home for Christmas So when you were watching the video What did you first picture in your mind? What were some of your thoughts and emotions That were brought up when you hear This familiar and rather stereotypical and sentimental phrase like this. Now, I don't know all of your stories, but I'm willing to bet that all of us fall within this spectrum of, yeah, I'm really excited to be home for Christmas, to, I don't know, I don't really know where home is, and and maybe I don't have a home for Christmas. I know, it's complicated. Strangely, our society seems quite insensitive to our varied and complex feelings, especially the consumer goods companies. They see this timing as their opportunity to meet their year-end sales goals, right? So we're bombarded with images like these. One, let's say, it's like a family get-together, this perfect house with like the perfect Christmas decorations. Kids are opening gifts, and they're laughing, and then the other side, adults are gathered together <laughs> laughing for whatever reason, and there is there's snow outside. Another one. Now you walk out of your house. There's a brand-new car waiting for you with this giant, big, Red bow on top of it. We know exactly what brand we're talking about, but we're not going to actually say it here. And of course, there is snow outside. How about this one? So you're in your home, there's a fireplace going, you're with your loved one or your loved ones if you have family, and you're I don't know, all like wearing matching onesies, all cuddled up in the couch that you just bought on Christmas sale. You're enjoying this warmth and peace watching a Christmas movie. And how's the weather outside? Snowing. Thank you. Do you feel outside of this typical Christmas circle? I do. You know, it's weird, around November, I don't even notice the date, but my body feels it for some reason, and I just start feeling off, and I'm like, oh, the holidays are coming. And then I look at social media, and there are all these people who are like super excited, they're buying Christmas decorations, and yeah, early November, and I'm like, man, I wish I was that joyful. And I feel even guilty. Guilty. I love Jesus, I should be really joyful, but why am I not? While the society's portrayal of Christmas might make you feel a little left behind, the actual events surrounding Jesus' birth, because Christmas, after all, is about Jesus, will help you see that God totally identifies with you, all the feelings. And that you belong 100% in his circle. We're gonna explore that together, why that is, and how we can welcome and celebrate this Christmas for all that it is and all that it isn't. Uh, I have two main texts today. It's all right, I've been told I'm a little ambitious, but okay, first one's gonna be in Luke chapter 2, not the whole chapter, and then we're gonna go to Matthew chapter 2. Okay, we're going to start from Luke chapter two, verse four, but before that, I want to just give you a quick background. First, angel, an angel, uh, comes to Mary to tell her that she will become pregnant with the Son of God through the Holy Spirit. What Now Mary was engaged to Joseph, and this pregnancy becomes a point of contention. Thankfully, the angel also shows up to Joseph and lets him know that it is indeed the son of God, not someone else's. Now, Mary spends the first three months of her pregnancy with her relative Elizabeth, who also became miraculously pregnant with John the baptizer. Mary comes back to her home after that. wonder what that was like, showing up more pregnant, not married yet. People were probably talking. Meanwhile, Rome announces a census, usually that's for tax purposes, which required heads of households to return to their town of origin, and that's where we pick it up on verse 4. It'll be up on the screen if you want to look at your Bible, Bible app. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. Quick little background. Now, this was sometime after Jesus was born. So apparently the family had settled in Bethlehem. Maybe it was never their intention to go back to Nazareth. And there's these wise men called the Magi. Uh, they study the stars. They're, they're not Jewish. They're Gentiles, either p- from Persia or Arabia. Uh, and, and they discover the star that signifies the birth of the king of the Jews. And they're excited about it for whatever reason. So they decide to go and actually inquire the leaders of the Jewish people to learn more about it. They're like, hey, let's go check it out. We want to learn more. But King Herod and the religious leaders weren't aware. And in fact, while they were doing some fact-checking through the scriptures, and they learned that, oh, actually, that's going to happen in Bethlehem, King Herod now wants to kill this new king. The Magi's continue on their way to Bethlehem and they follow the star to the house of Joseph. Now they live in a house. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, where they saw Jesus and worshiped him. So I'm going to pick it up from verse 13. Okay? So when they had gone, so these are the Magi's. So they left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now I'm going to skip to verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. Same format. And we sometimes don't really recognize Joseph's obedience and his faith, right? So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Back to where he started. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he will be called a Nazarene. All right, so we got two stories concerning the birth of Jesus over two different times, two different events, okay? Now, back in those days, obviously, there was no Christmas yet, so there wasn't much expectations to go on that season. However, if you were told by God that you were going to have the Son of God, wouldn't you at least not expect to travel so much so far? Wouldn't you at least expect to have some help when you're having the baby in, like, a legit home? Wouldn't you expect that at least it wouldn't be so hard and isolating? It looks to me that the birth of the very person Christmas was founded on brought more disruption and trouble than anyone would have liked. I know we just read a lot, so let's just organize that a little bit. We're going to look at the people involved. We're going to look at the places, and we're going to see what was present throughout. Okay, first, the people. we got Joseph and Mary. We know they're pretty young. Um, they're said to come from a very poor family. They have no like priestly kind of heritage or anything, but how come they were chosen to carry the Son of God? They were also scandalized because of this whole pregnancy. And although they left Nazareth for the census, they're more like they're displaced from their hometown. They never wanted to really go back. I wonder why. Then we have the shepherds. Again, shepherds were not the most respected profession. Um, Generally poor. They're nomads. They live outside, and they're outcasts. The angels appear to them? Not in some temple in Jerusalem or a synagogue? And then we have the Magi's. They're not even Jewish. They're Gentiles, and they see these signs as they study the stars, and they're excited about the promised king of Israel. These people are, like, the least likely people to... Be invited into this story. Yet God is like, no, I want you guys to be in the heart of it all. Now, we've got people who are informed, yet quite opposed to it. It's, it's King Herod and the other Jewish religious leaders who heard the news. Right? You would expect that they'd be like, oh, wow, the prophecy is coming true. But even upon fact-checking through Scripture... Their knowledge did not lead to any kind of anticipation or curiosity to, like check it out. In fact, there was, like, a completely opposite response. Herod's like, no, I got to kill this supposed new king of the Jews. As a result, unnecessary sacrifices were made, right? The young children, boys age two and under, were killed, I mean, if the son of God is born, why would these things have to happen? Well, in fact, they didn't have to happen. But it happened because people with power, people who has power, are just worried about protecting the status quo, protecting their power and their position. We know that happens these days, too. It's probably as political as I'm going to get. Then there is Jesus, the Son of God. Okay, for those of you who are not familiar with Jesus, uh, not, and I used to think this when I was little, Like, so Jesus was not created through his earthly birth. Jesus was with God from the beginning as part of the Trinity, right? Father God, um, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when the time came for him to come near to us, come come to be with us he chose to come in come in the form of his creation through his creation i know we take that for granted because we hear about it a lot but that's fascinating if you think about it no other gods talk about doing anything like that in fact they are will never kind of merge their worlds with earthly people these are too there are too above that They even consider people their subjects, okay? So to me, this says so much about the humility and vulnerability of God himself. You see, being close requires vulnerability, right? I'm terrible at it. And vulnerability is risky. Jesus took a risk to be with us. What do you think that risk was? It looks like he like, chose the most inconspicuous way to show up as Messiah. Little baby and poor family, nobody notices. Right, risking being ignored, bypassed, and unseen, which is exactly what happened. So do you feel ignored, bypassed, and unseen, especially this season? Jesus knows what that's like, and he sees you. If that can be any comfort to you, it is to me. All right, let's look at the places, all the places. As we read, none of the actual events involved Mary and Joseph's conventional sense of home, Right? Let's look at their journey. They start from Nazareth. If Nazareth is here, Bethlehem is like down here. It's about 60 miles, right, on foot. Not easy. And then as they're like kind of starting to get settled, now they need to escape to Egypt. I mean, from your side, is like this way. Um, like it's like 40 miles to the border at least. So they may have traveled even more to find a town. And then just when they're like just starting to get settled in there, Now they receive a dream to come back to Israel. And if you remember, they wanted to first come back to Judea, to Bethlehem, not Nazareth. But because there was a leader there that was very hostile towards Jews, they're like, okay, let's go to Nazareth. So that's about 100 miles coming back. And all of this force moving within one to two years... I mean, a lot of us here in San Francisco, we've moved from somewhere. And I know some of you have moved many times within a short span of time. And imagine doing that with small children. I don't know what that's like, but I hear that it's pretty hard. However, throughout all the threats, all the moving and disruption there were some crucial things that were present. And without them, they would not have been able to persevere through it, All right? Okay, so let's look at what was present. So I'm thinking about like, it's present as a gift, but also what was like, the presence of things, right? So first, the most obvious, there was God and his angels. Right, his revelation, their revelation, protection and provision, right? I know life can be hard. There's always something creeping up at us. If you feel like there's so much going on, if you you feel so overwhelmed, hey, are, are we seeing, in the midst of that, are we seeing God's protection and provision? Or are we just busy only looking at what we lack and what's hard? And you know, God was constantly intervening and moving this young family for what, right? So that Jesus, who came to be with us, could stay with us until the appointed time. Then what was this presence of Jesus supposed to mean for us? We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Look for a baby wrapped up in a feeding trough. Here's the Messiah, but this is the sign. I know we all want to be joyful, and we chase after things that we think will save us or free us from our fears, our insecurities, our loneliness, our fe- oh, no, I already said fears. Uh, like loneliness, emptiness, sadness, right? But maybe we're looking at the wrong places. We're looking for the wrong signs. Maybe we're looking for something that's big, flashy, and, and attractive. But this tells me something different. This tells me, hey, maybe... I shouldn't just ignore or dismiss very humble or even boring appearances. Then then there was the presence of people, not just any people, but people that God brought together through revelation in very crucial times. First, when Jesus was born. Okay. So here's this young couple who just had a baby, had no help, they're just in a mess. And they're holding this baby, and they're looking at him, going, "Oh, wow, well, is it him? This is this is him. He looks just like any other baby." They were tired, so maybe they were kind of like, "Oh, wow, I don't know what's going on. What do we do now?" But then these shepherds show up and say, "Oh, by the way, we just saw the angels, and the angels told us that, um, yeah." Who Jesus is, he's the Messiah. Have you ever had this point in your life where you're just like doubting things and you're like, oh, I'm so done. I don't even, I don't even know. And then you have people showing up in your life, reminding you. Oh no, I, I know what you're going through. I see. You. How comforting and reassuring it must have been for them. <laughs> just to see these strangers come in and be like, hey, we know who your son is. Then sometime after, come the magi. They're like a whole different group of people, right? They bring these lavish gifts. And they were probably, yeah, trying to get settled into living in this new city. A lot of us know what that feels like Again. And they're like, hey, we believe that this is the promised king of Israel. It's as if God is reminding them in these critical moments of doubt and exhaustion from life. Hey, yeah, yeah, it is him. He is my son. You're doing the right thing. You're where you're supposed to be. I know it's hard. I know it's been really, really hard. But I'm sending you these people. And they know who Jesus is. I know you've been carrying the secret on your own. Nobody will believe you. But here are these people. I know these are the people. These are not the people that you were expecting. But I want you to celebrate my son with them. So I think God's invita- invitation for us is to, number one, like celebrate the son wherever you are. And with whomever is willing, with whomever who sees you, understands you, understands Jesus, especially whenever you feel like you can't. I'm not saying that's easy, though. I'm not suggesting that we fake it until we feel it. That really doesn't even happen. I don't th- but I don't think we allow ourselves enough permission to celebrate in our own way. You know, when we hear celebration or worship, we, I don't know, I tend to be like, oh, do I need to be like upbeat and everything has to be so grandiose? But that's not really true. So let's um, look at Luke 2.17. When they had seen him, this is the shepherds, right? When the shepherds saw Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. All right, this was strange to me. So what, people who heard it were amazed, but... Mary pondered like why are they contrasted so I did some digging and when it comes to the word amazed in the original Greek text the word used for that uh, means to wonder to marvel at me nothing wrong with that however this one commentary writes that the meaning that the meaning of that word the Greek word does not imply either belief or disbelief meaning there's just no action it's just kind of like oh wow well that sounds cool can it can that be true right you just kind of go like oh wow cool and then like everybody moves on another commentary says this most people were inclined to wonder about such a message but there's no evidence that any of them at all were concerned enough about the coming of the messiah to investigate any further This is the attitude of the vast majority of men, of human, in all generations. Hmm? Right, so now let's look at the word ponder, right? Also means treasure up, keep, preserve. In Ronald Rollheiser's book, The Sacred Fire, the writer says that the biblical contrast to pondering is amazement or to be amazed. He writes this, and it'll be up on the screen. Amazement lies at the root of hype, ideology, groupthink. Crowds do not think. They act out of a blind energy. However, we ponder when we do not let the energy of the crowd or of spontaneous emotion simply flow through us and become the basis for our actions. Instead, we hold and carry and transform that energy so as to not mindlessly retransmit it. And this capacity lies at the root of deeper maturity and deeper virtue. So we got one event, the birth of Jesus, being told that, oh, yeah, he is the Messiah. And we have two different responses, right? One is amazed. And based on what we read, I'm going to equate that to hype and then ponder. I'm going to equate that to deep transformation. So there is a lot of hype around the Christmas holidays and even New Year's, isn't there? And don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to being excited, uh, I'm not opposed to having fun, and neither is God, by the way. Yeah, there's definitely a reason to have fun and enjoy this season. At the same time, many of us just don't feel like you can kind of join in on the hype. And realistically... We live in our little bubble, but many people and places on this earth cannot afford the hype because of illnesses, poverty, tragedies, and war. So are these people, are some of us, then excluded from the all people that Jesus came for? That would make God a liar, So I would say absolutely not. So you can enjoy, by the way, you can enjoy the hype and have deep joy. But in the absence of hype, pondering as a form of celebration is still possible and sufficient, and therefore the deep transformative joy is still available. This is why it's vital that people who are suffering have their immediate needs met and hear about Jesus. Because they need to know, right? They're not like the side story of Christmas. They're not the ones that we go to to give give, gifts because we want them to know, oh, you're not forgotten. No, we're saying, no, you belong right into the story. God came for you. We need to know that too. We need to receive. They need to receive the deep joy that doesn't depend on circumstances. If you're struggling through this season, you need to know that you are so inside the true Christmas circle and that Jesus is indeed the source of joy for all people, which includes you. Now, I don't say this lightly. It's a promise. So will you ponder on the one who came for you, this Jesus, Son of God, And if you don't know him yet, will you ponder on the mystery of what that could mean if it were true? My gosh, because if it's true. In order for us to ponder though, we got to slow down from our hectic pace, yeah? We can't just keep chasing the hype. I know that some of us, because it's just so hard, it's just too painful. We just like go from one event to another. Just keep just like, okay, go have fun. Because we're afraid that if we slow down, we're going to start feeling the f- feelings that we don't want. And then we're going to want to just disengage, shut down. Well, at least that's how it was for me for many years, and it's still a struggle. So I want to share with you three very important reminders that have helped me celebrate through this difficult season. Something I learned just from my trial and errors over the years. Number one. Yeah, home is where you are. I know, it sounds so corny. But what I'm trying to say is that home is not where you're from. I know that's like the first thing we think about. Where is home for you? Mm. Think about where we're from. Home is not where you're supposed to be or where you even wish to be. It's it's where you are. Just be there. I've spent too many years of my life dwelling on not having the family of origin that I would have liked or family of my own I never got to have. That used to make Christmas so, so, so hard for me. But I realize now that I got my family right here. Some online, watching. My closest friends that see me, that know me, and accept This is my home. And I belong here now. And I've learned to celebrate Jesus, this God with us, in my own way, wherever I am. And I celebrate my people either with them or without them, depending on who's around, right? And sometimes I travel too, so, hey, if I have people to celebrate, I'll do it. But if not, I still celebrate, because I know they are God's gift to me. So I encourage you and I challenge to pursue the same, because at the end, when it comes to home, what's present, right, is so much more important than just the place itself. Second, let's not stay in our feelings. I'm not saying don't feel the feelings. Feelings are valid, but they're not always true, right? And yeah, we feel it. We can say, God, oh, I feel like blah, blah, blah. But man, we got to turn it outward. And we exercise compassion towards those who might be feeling the same, right? I know I have friends who are like struggling. All right, let's go get dinner. Oh, I'm going to go talk to my neighbor, who I know is not going anywhere. All right, drop off some cookies to families who are in town. I don't know, and you can participate in community events. All right, just don't keep it in. So as we free up our feelings, let it leave you, we're going to then in turn receive, internalize the truth of Jesus. And we're going to repeat when necessary. I'm not saying if, it's when, because I would love for this to be one and done, but uh uh-uh, no, done. Keeps coming back. All right, third, go home awkward. Here, when I say home, I quote unquote, because I'm using the conventional sense, right? So let's look at Mary and Joseph again, right? We know that it was not their plan to go back to Nazareth from Egypt, but they ended up just having to do that. now with their controversial child. So imagine the people, oh, guys, have you, have you seen Mary and Joseph? They came back. And that baby's with them now. We know, that, I mean, who's not Joseph's baby, right? Like, people are going to gossip. It's awkward, anyone, right? Maybe that's how you feel when you go home every time. It's, like, it's just like, oh, I don't know. I just, I'm here because I'm supposed to. Even if you don't have plans to be home for that very reason, (laughs) in due time, you might end up having to go back, just like Mary and Joseph. Yeah, maybe it's to make it a new home or just enter a new season. Maybe you just have to go back for closure, which will also be awkward. It's okay. Apparently, awkwardness is quite biblical. Be open to anything, because when where God directs you, like it or not, he's just going to prepare you. Um, well, speaking of going back to old homes, I didn't think I would have to talk about this, because when we were talking about me speaking today, this was not part of it, but he always gives me materials. Um, yeah, next week, I'm going home, home, that is not my home anymore, uh, to tie up some of those ends. There are people to see, including, ooh, (laughs) including my ailing dad, and my mom, who I haven't spoken with for over three years. Some places to go to, including the old house, um, where I have various memories. And I'm scared. Um, it's not the Christmas season I imagined. I actually had other plans. Uh, but yeah. But I know God's presence will be there. Because he's been preparing me. I know it's time. It's just time. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be very awkward. I don't even know what I'm going to say the minute I see my parents. Hi. (laughs) But... (laughs) My visit itself will just mean nothing if Jesus is not there with us because me and my family needs his joy and his salvation, freedom from our generational brokenness, big time. And that's really not just for this season, right? It's for today and every day. In all situations, we need Him. So, where is your home this Christmas? No matter where that is, no matter what you're doing or not doing, we have to remember, we have to go back to this knowledge and truth that Jesus holds our sadness. He holds your sadness, unmet expectations, feeling lost. Feeling lonely because you are alone, or feeling lonely although you're with other people. He holds the fact that you miss those you lost, and even that busy travel schedule, that'll just get you so agitated and so exhausted. That's right. <laughs> Hasn't he gone through it all, though, so that he can relate? So let's just go into it all with him. That's why we can even dare to celebrate, however that may look like. And let him, his presence, his witness, be more than enough joy for your heavy and crowded soul. And let that just unmistakably unmistakably be shared with those around you. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And... um, Yeah, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. And uh, yeah, let's get into a posture of prayer. Maybe your eyes closed, hands together, or hands open. And I'm going to just kind of go through categories or kind of points of the spectrum I was talking about earlier. So when I kind of call out that category, if you feel like you belong there, uh, I would love for you to stand. So eventually we're all going to stand, so don't hold back. All right, so, yeah, those who are just thankful and excited to be home for Christmas, yeah, let's stand. That's awesome. I envy you. Something to celebrate. Those who want to be home but can't this Christmas, will you stand? Don't want to go home but have to. It's a reality. I don't know where home really is. I don't have a home I can stand. There's so much going on at home right now. People are sick. We don't know what we're going to do. There are economical challenges. Those who are grieving the loss of home or the loss of someone gosh, it would be even better if this season these people were alive. And maybe there are some of you here who want to actually now find their home in Jesus, really feel and, and, and experience this joy that only he can bring. It could be either for the first time or the first time in a while love for you to stand and for everybody else i'm sure i missed some categories but yes let's all stand and i'd love to pray for you lord here we are you you see us you see us in all points in this spectrum of how we feel about christmas lord thank you that you actually invite us into your story no matter what we're all invited you want us to see and live out the joy that you want to bring us lord we come to you with all the burdens and the feelings that we have lord i ask that you will transform our feelings into great joy, into deep joy that just cannot change because of our circumstances. Lord, for those of us who are curious about you and wants to get to know you for the first time, Lord, I ask that you will give them boldness to ask, boldness to ask for your presence, for them to receive your your forgiveness and love that you would just make it so, so clear to them how much you love them, God. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. We, we thank you. You've, you've given us the greatest gift of your witness. Help us seek it, find it, and enjoy it. This season and outside of this season, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Alright, so as we respond, uh, I want to invite some of you who want to pray out in front or be prayed over. Maybe you just feel like, man, I really don't know how I'm going to get through this season. I'll be here. Some of the leaders will be here. So yeah, you're invited to come up and just
0: pray with us. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.